Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, Jesus is After You. Join us in John chapter 4, verses 16 through 26. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Good morning. It's a great day. Take your Bible out and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. I already opened this up and said, listen, you know, Jesus has done something here already. And we, we left off the Gospel of John um, at, in, in the spring, and then we focused on other things during the summer. But we're back now, and we're going to keep making our way through the Gospel of John. So we're in chapter 4, and it just opened the door to chapter 4 last time in the spring, this scene... Um, where Jesus intentionally goes through an area where it's kind of, um, where Jews just don't walk through there. It's not necessarily so much that it's unsafe. It could be a little of that, but there's some racial tension that just is, uh, sort of prevents this from happening, all right? And so, but Jesus does it intentionally, and he's doing it intentionally because he's concerned about you and I, all right, in particular. So the focus is on this woman, but I don't want you to get too distracted with her sin. We can really get distracted with her particular sin, and her particular sin is a big deal. What I want you to see is that I want you to see yourself as well. So you get to this scene, and what John wants us to see are the words of Jesus, the prophet right now, okay? Jesus as a prophet, and you'll get to see this a little bit, who is more than a prophet, but it's this prophet part that we're going to focus on today. And the reason this woman can't understand the living water that Jesus is offering is that she can't see the thirst in her own soul for Jesus. She can't see this. So this is why it's important to look at this um, about yourself and, and other people that you interact with. Sometimes people can't see past their stuff to see Jesus. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, my pastor would say, listen, you know, if you're a Christ follower and you love Jesus, if you're going to explain Jesus to somebody, um, a lot of times you have to help them, you have to get them lost, so to speak. They don't understand that they're lost. And so that's where you got to start because if you don't know that you're lost, then you don't need to be saved, right? And this is difficult, but... Jesus does this, all right? He, he really models this, and, and, and his approach is kind of, kind of unusual, actually. All right, so she's trying to fill up the void by moving from one man to the next. That's her sin. In the process, she's becoming more and more hard and blind to her own real need. And so the need for living water. So Jesus, actually, that's what he does. He helps her see what she really needs, Okay. Now, if, if you've been coming a while, then you know that at the end of my message, I usually try to draw the truth out of the text, all right, and really teach through it. And then at the end of my message, I say, all right, what does this have to do with me, okay, to try to make it practical. But I'm on to you guys, because when I get to the end and I go, hey, what's this have to do with me? You go, oh, it's the end, all right? And then we kind of get restless and things. So I know, I figured it out. So guess what I'm going to do? Let's do what does this have to do with me first, okay? And then you won't have any idea when I'm going to end. 
Are you ready? Here we go. What does this have to do with me? All right, so I, I, we'll, we'll read the scriptures, but here we go. This is where we're going. Jesus is after this woman. He's after her, right? The woman at the well. He intends to break through and give life and light in the core of her being, and he pursues you and I in the same way. That's what has to do with you and I. So as we read through the message, keep that in mind, all right? Here's the next thing that has to do with you and I, all right? He wants to awaken you by his word and his spirit so that you can see your own need. So you can see your own need. What do you need? A lot of times we're just so covered up we don't even know what we need. Have you ever been around a child before and it's like they don't know what they need. They're just all frustrated and unhappy. And you just think in your head, you have no idea what you need. They think they need something. And you're like, you don't need that. <laughs> Maybe your spouse has said, hey, I don't think you need that. Well, I hate that when Linda says that. Because she's pretty much right almost every time. And I will argue, no, I do need it. Right? Okay. So Jesus wants you to see the addictive substitutes that keep you from drinking the living water. We all have addictive substitutes. We all medicate in some way. We're all there, all right? Revelation 22, verse 17 says this. This is a great verse, right? And the Spirit, Spirit of God, and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants it take the water of life free of charge. Why is it free? It's a gift. It's a free gift, this water of life. Remember, that's what we're talking about, this water of life. We're not actually talking about H2O, are we? Right? Here's the third thing that has to do with you and me. Jesus is revealing his greatness, and we learn about ourselves from this woman. So we, what John wants us to see and what Jesus wants us to see is really who he is, his greatness. In particular, he's a prophet in this little scene part that we're looking at. And you should be able to see yourself in this woman if you don't get caught up into her particular sin. Okay? And it's sin, and it's a big deal, but you got your own stuff, all right? And that's what you're supposed to see. Here's the fourth thing that has to do with you and I. What we learn about ourselves is why our understanding and our love for Jesus is so small most of the time. It's really small. We don't realize just how powerful and how big he is and how, how we get to see all into the inside of everything. I mean, he knows everything, right? Jonah proved that pretty good. He got all swallowed by a fish because he just didn't, he thought he could run away from God and he couldn't see. God didn't know. God said, well... <laughs> I know how to take care of that. Can you imagine? Just swallow you, you know. The swallowing doesn't get me as much as the puking me out kind of part. Man, that's humiliating. Then he gets there and he's like, okay, I get it. All right. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. Here's the last thing. What does this have to do with you and I? Jesus exposes our sin to help us see our enormous need and how he alone can meet our need we're all sinful and we need a savior. That's why we can't be in God's presence unless we're washed clean and saved. So we, we have to see our sin first. Okay, now let's go to verse 16 in chapter four and that's where we'll start reading, okay? You ready? Chapter four, verse 16, this is what he says. He says to her, go call your husband and come back here. He's already had this interaction with her. 
at the well, and there's all that, and I'm not going to go back and preach that. The woman replies, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, right you are when you said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. This you said truthfully. Man, that is kind of harsh, kind of confrontational, right? Okay, verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. (laughs) You know stuff, all right? Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus says to her, believe me, woman, a, a, a time's coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming, and now is here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. Verse 24. God is spirit. And the people who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. You know, the one called Christ. Whenever he comes, he will tell us everything. And then Jesus says something awesome here. He says, well, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Now, this scene unfolds, though, kind of in a crazy way, all right? I want you to keep two things in mind again. We'll draw it out. And if you don't have your Bible, there's one under the the black chair there. You're going to need to follow along because I'm going to move around. I'm not going to put everything up. If you take notes, here's a good thing. There's a sequence of development, all right? But two things, who is the man Jesus and who are we as we see ourselves in the woman? That's what you have to do as you're working through this story, all right? Who's the man Jesus, and who are we as we see ourselves in the woman? Now, here's the sequence of development in the whole story right right now, right? In verses 1 through 15, Jesus is the living water. That was last time. We talked about that at the Lord's Supper table, right? And then in verses 16 through 19, Jesus is the prophet. That's where we focus today. After that, then, you see in verses 20 through 24, Jesus is the Savior who makes true spiritual worship possible and then jesus is the messiah in verses 25 through 26 so today we're just going to deal through deal with verses 16 through 19 because as jesus the prophet does his work we find so much out about who we are who we are and sometimes we got to get a good stare in the mirror about who we are right so Jesus is more than a prophet, but these verses are amazing and revealing when it comes to what happens to our hearts because of sin. So when we looked at verses 1 through 15 last time, where Jesus said in verse 10 that he has living water to give to this woman, she, was, she reacted like Nicodemus did. Now, we took a long time to get through the first three chapters of the Gospel of John, and Nicodemus was a featured person in there. He was a person just like you and I, I mean, a really well-liked guy, smart guy, actually knew lots of stuff about the Bible, but Nicodemus could not see the spiritual meaning of what he says uh, either, like in verse 15, John 4, verse 15, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She doesn't get it. Nicodemus wouldn't have got it either. All that this water means to her is that it would save her the trouble of coming to the well in the heat of the day. Then comes something stunning in verses 16 through 19, right? 
In verses 16 through 19, watch what again, all right? Let me just point it out again. Let's read those verses again. He says to her, go call your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I have no husband. Jesus says, right you are when you say, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the man you are living with now is not your husband. This you said truthfully. The woman says, see, uh, I seems like you're a prophet, <laughs> right? So in verses 1 through 15, Jesus is the living water. That's a big deal. Now, in these verses, Jesus is a prophet. At least that's how she explains what Jesus had just said. He knows her public past, and he knows her secret present, so he's a prophet. Now, this is a big deal, though. Jesus takes a different approach with her. And this is where I really want to focus on, his approach. It's unusual. Why does Jesus leave the imagery of living water so abruptly and then say in verse 16, go call your husband and come back here? He never returns to the, to the image of living water, by the way. He doesn't go back there. Verse 16 is where he goes, right? Go call your husband and come back here. It seems kind of like incidental, like it's not that big a deal. It wouldn't even have stuck out to me that these are the same, but, uh, that these are the same words in Greek in theta, and, and, and it's only used in John here in, the, in, in these two places, all right? So I didn't even know till probably just a few weeks ago. I, I had really not seen this. Could it be that Jesus, all right, that Jesus, when he hears her say, I don't want to come back here every day, that he detects something in her voice, that the inconvenience, it's, it's not about the inconvenience of drawing water. It's not about that. Does he hear, I don't like coming out in public and doing this. If I could avoid this scene every day, I would be so happy. Because this is a place where all, every, all the women come, and they all come to get water. And everybody's got to have it, because everybody's got to have water. And I don't like it. Because when I get here, then I'm in front of everybody, and everybody's like, oh, there she is. See, I think Jesus knows there's something in her life that makes it painful for her to come to the place where all the women gather to talk. So he's thinking something like this. You don't like to come here, do you? You feel pretty uncomfortable, don't you? Vulnerable. You feel vulnerable. You feel exposed. Maybe, maybe if you bring your husband with you, he could stand with you, he could protect you, and you could be proud of him like, you know, an elder stands in the city gates, right? So the first indication, I think, of why Jesus may have used this approach, you know, go get your husband, come back here with him. I think it is, it's, it's likely in what he heard in the word here, here, right here. I'll take your living water so I don't have to come here every day is what she said. What Jesus heard in the word here is a big deal. That's number one. That's why he uses this approach. And we'll get to that because Jesus already knew, didn't he? That's really my next thing. He already knew. That's the second indication of why Jesus may have used this approach. In fact, it, it, it is the fact that he already knew that she did not have a husband and was living with her boyfriend. So here it is. Jesus already knew 
She didn't have a husband. She was living with a boyfriend. That's the second thing. He already knew this. He knew all her sin. Verse 18, the man you're living with now is not your husband, right? This means that Jesus is intentionally exposing her sin. Not to everybody at the well, all right? Be careful. He's not embarrassing her in front of everybody. That's not it. There's nobody there but him and her. But to herself, right, and, and him, that, those are all that are there. Like the disciples are busy, they went into town. And he's invading her inner life. That's what Jesus does. He gets inside like that. He's forcing her to deal with the inside, the secret place of her life. The living water that he had offered is for the inner person. This is not water you drink with your mouth. It's water you drink with your heart. He's dealing with her deep need, and she wouldn't let him in. She wouldn't do it. Now, why is that? He's dealing with her deep need. She's closed off. She's sealed up. So he kind of uses this prophetic thing that he's got. Kind of put the key in the door and open it up. All right. Now, go back to chapter 3, verse 20. This is, this is great. When you just slip back to chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come to the light so that their deeds will not be exposed. So she can't open up herself to the living water because she's closed off to everything that might expose what is on the inside. It's too painful. It's too dirty. That's the way most of us feel. Nobody goes, hey, let me show you what's on the inside, really. Right? We, man, we don't want to do that. Jesus knows that her blindness and her hardness, though, to the spiritual meaning of living water is magnified by the years of sexual and relational sin. So he is intentionally exposing what is on the inside. That's what he does. God wants this woman as a worshiper in spirit and truth. That's why he's there. That's what he wants. But in her present condition, she doesn't even have the living spirit, right? She's not alive, actually. She's dead. She's hard. She's blind on the inside. She's blind, right? And Jesus understands this condition. So he's not going to be surfacy with things. He's going to get to it. And this, by the way, is what community groups are for in our church. Because you can be surfacy in this arena right here. Nobody knows anything, right? So it is, um, it is a lot of work to get people into community groups. When you break it down into smaller groups, you can be real with people. You can be in relationship and you can be celebrated and known. And people can understand who you are. And when you're sick, people know about it. When you're hurting, people know about it. And when you get off track, people know and they can go, hey, get back here. What are you doing? Let me help. Right? That's what community groups are for. I can teach. And God often opens the door to the gospel through mornings like this. But, you know, Pastor Kevin said it at the welcome. Welcome to just one expression of who we are. This is just one. It's not even the best one in my view. We need to be known and celebrated, and you've got to get a little more intimate. Otherwise, you can just hide everything, and then, you, you know, then we're stuck. So, you know, because I can't come down in the audience and say, hey, go get your husband, come here. I can't do that with every person, so to speak, right? 
or you could speak a hundred other prophetically penetrating applications of this sermon. See how you got to just not focus on her stuff. You got to focus on your stuff. If you seek the wisdom and the gifts of the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what will happen in community groups and in lots of places at church. Imagine if you partner in this way. Imagine if the church really partnered in this way. We all need to help shepherd the church in this way. We need each other. We're for each other. Uh, This is the way the church is built and designed by God. So what is Jesus doing? He's exposing her real thirst. That's the third indication as to why Jesus takes this approach that seems kind of invasive and a little harsh, right? He did, uh, you know, he, he, he moves from living water to go get your husband, right? There's no follow through on this issue, actually, right? Jesus does not follow through on this issue. He exposes her sin. He, he exposes her sin in verses 17 through 19. Let me, let me explain, right? Look at verse 17 through 19. The woman replies, I have no husband. Jesus says to her, right you are when you say you have no husband. You got five husbands or you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. This you said truthfully. The woman says to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. And then... She changes the subject to worship. What? Yeah. Jesus never comes back to the issue of adultery. It's part of his approach. He doesn't come back to the issue of adultery. He doesn't shame her into it. He doesn't do anything like that. He exposes it. He makes her tell the truth. It seems harsh, but he's not actually being harsh. He's being actually compassionate. He doesn't go anywhere with the subject of adultery And I'm sure this means that he didn't bring it up to get closure. That's not what he's after. He didn't bring it up to condemn her. He didn't bring it up to rehearse the details like he doesn't know. No, he knows. He brought it up to expose the thirst that she doesn't even know that she has. That's why he brought it up. You're thirsting for something. I know you're thirsting for something. What are you thirsting for? He had offered her living water, water that if she drank it in her heart by faith would bring a well water springing up into eternal life and satisfaction. She's obviously unsatisfied, dissatisfied, right? This water is for her soul, not her body. It's her soul that's thirsty. And she doesn't know it. So Jesus is going to show her how she doesn't know it. And that she's really thirsty for something. Nobody goes through sexual relationships with six men or six women without either starting desperately thirsty or ending up desperately thirsty. Nobody does that. Give me a break. What happened with these six relationships? What what was going on here? Five marriages. There is in this woman, it seems, an emptiness, an empty void. She's trying to fill. They're searching Either she can't find it in a man, what she's craving, so she moves on to another guy, desperately believing men are the water she's thirsty for, or they can't find what they're craving for in her, and one after the other, they just keep dumping her. Or both. Both is happening here, probably. In either case, she's left with a deep emptiness and a sinfulness that's so painful, so awful, She buries it, she seals it up, and there's no entrance into her heart at all. It's all locked up in darkness, isn't it? That's what Jesus knows. So he invades that inner darkness, and he exposes her real thirst. 
that's what he does with you and I. I mean, is he doing that with you right now? Oh, man. It's uncomfortable, but it's, that's where you got to start, right? Let's look at Jesus and us, Jesus and ourselves, just for a minute, right? Here's what we really learn about Jesus. He's compassionate, and yet he's aggressive. He's surgical, and he's relentless in his love. You see all those things, this lady? He knows all your past and all your present. He knew it with her. Are you just going to pretend like he doesn't know it with you? Or me? We do it all the time. Huh. Nothing's hidden from him. He's the only one in the universe who knows you completely. He's a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. And we're going to see that in the future. But if you're truthful with yourself, then, you're, then you see yourself in this woman, don't you? One of the evidences that you don't have the water of life and you're not drinking it is that you're unstable like this woman. And you're always moving from one thing to the next, seeking to fill the void that Jesus prom promises to fill. Or... You can just be flat out lazy too. Maybe you don't have all the husbands or the sexual partners like she did, okay? That's why I said be careful about focusing on that. But it's that you move through friends, you move through jobs, you move through churches, you move through hobbies, you move through hairstyles, you move through wardrobes or toys or locations in an unstable way. You're never, never able to settle with a, with a kind of deeply content identity in Christ satisfied with the water of fellowship with Jesus. You're just an unhappy person. Life in Christ. Let me tell you, life in Christ is not static. But there is a difference between the confident growing faith, a confident growing faith in Christ, and the craving thirst of frustration. On the one hand, there's a restless craving that moves from one thing to the next because you just got no solid, satisfied identity in Christ. And on the other hand, we have Christ as our fountain of life and we engage in life and it's purposeful and creative and, and we're living by, uh, with, with this power of the living water, right? The living water gives you power and freedom and satisfaction. There's a difference between jumping from one thing to the next out of frustration and the dynamic drive that, that purposely comes out of faith in Christ. So Jesus is teaching us about ourselves as well as, as, as about the water that is prophetic and saving, right? So there's a fourth indication as to why Jesus takes this approach, which is, you know, kind of invasive. He asked her about her husband, right? right? So does it surprise you that Jesus says not just once but twice that the woman has spoken the truth, Right? He says, not just once, but twice that the woman spoken the truth. Look at verse 17 and 18 again. The, the, the woman replies, I have no husband. Jesus said, right, you are. I mean, you say, you have no husband. You know, you're truthful. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. You, this, is, this you said truthfully. So he, he points it out two times. It's kind of weird, actually. What's he doing? Sandwiched between right you are. In verse 17, this you said truthfully. And then in verse 18 is a statement that's kind of devious when you think about it. Now, hang on. 
She's using the truth to hide something. What? Yeah, we do it all the time. I have no husband. Jesus says, right you are. And you say, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the man you are living with now is not your husband. This, this you said truth. So you really, watch this. You really know how to use the truth to mislead people, lady. I think this is paradoxical in nature and a little snarky. Jesus is being snarky. He truly is. Watch this. He's basically saying, well said, you're a real truth teller. <laughs> He's being snarky. What is being exposed here is something that almost always goes hand in hand with secret sin. Namely, a devious, subtle manipulation of language to conceal the truth by saying true things. Right? Devious people don't usually lie. It's too risky. They deceive by the way they use the truth. Can you define what a woman is? No, I'm not a biologist. You see? No, she's not a biologist. See how you can use the truth to be totally deceptive and deceiving? Are you kidding me? You're going to be a Supreme Court justice and you can't define what a woman is? She didn't want to. That's the truth. You don't have to like it, but that's the truth. Okay. It's, in, it's incredibly prevalent today. I mean, she's not the, what is her name? She's not the only one. As if we don't do the same thing, right? Most people know they're doing it, and, and others are so conformed to the spirit of the age, they don't even know that they're doing it. And they might not even know there's such a thing as a use of language that has integrity. People don't have deep, secure, satisfied soul in living water of Jesus and, and the fellowship with him. And then, and then lean towards subtle uses of the language designed to cloud the truth and, 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 and with words, even true words, all right? There's, there's something going on here. And Jesus is like, hey, you can't do that. I, 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 don't, I don't play that game. <laughs> I love that. Jesus is not only exposing this woman's thirst, what she's trying to satisfy, you know, with men, he's also exposing some subtle devices that she has developed to hide the truth, even from herself. She doesn't know that her need is actually for Jesus. She doesn't even know that. In fact, it's a slippery use of the language that creates the transition to the next piece of scripture in this text and the next part of the story. And I'm going to get to that next time. But we need to see the transition because of how it continues to reveal what sin does to our hearts and to our minds and how wise and merciful and relentless Jesus really is, how compassionate he actually really is. He's not trying to embarrass her. Verses 19 and 20. Look at this. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you people say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Or, this is the way she's really saying it, right? Jesus, as long as we're on the subject of my adultery, where do you think we should worship, this mountain or in Jerusalem? Now think about it, right? It's awesome. Have you ever been trying to explain uh, Jesus to someone and, and have the person deflect and change the subject? That's, that's all she's doing. <laughs> She just changed the subject. Let's talk about worship. You know, this controversy, the mountain or Jerusalem, you know, what do you got to think about that? 
It's a remarkable thing about Jesus here that he does and what he does not say. He doesn't say, hey, let's stay on the subject, all right? We're talking about your adultery. So he doesn't let her define exactly where they're going. He doesn't do that. She's dead on the inside, and, she, and, and all she can relate to now are superficial external things. Her distracting question only deals with geography. Look at verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. You people say that, that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus doesn't really play the game with her. He doesn't do that, right? He goes to her heart, and that's what he will do. And that's how he's going to do it. Look at verse 20. Jesus says to her, believe me, woman, time's coming when you're going to worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In other words, we're not, or we are at a juncture in history when the place of worship will actually be irrelevant. Verse 23, but the time's coming. And now is here. Here's my parentheses, right? Because I am here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers, now we get into it. What's he after? Worshipers. What's he want her to be? A worshiper in spirit and truth. The issue is not in the mountain, but spirit and truth. See, what, what does she need? What you need, what she needs is a spirit that is alive and mindful of love and truth. So that's what we're going to be getting to next week. Jesus is after her, and he's after you. He's after you. That's how he does it. Has he been doing that with you? You know, when he knocks on your heart, and you're like, ooh. And he gets to it because he can, because he's prophetic. And that's the way the Holy Spirit of God works. And he knocks on your heart. And you get that feeling, you know, don't. Stiff arm, God. He's after you, just like he's after this woman. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's kind. He's caring. But he's not going to play the game. We have to get to our sin. That's what he wants to do is expose it. Did you see what he did? I mean, yeah, she's an adulterer and boyfriend and all that stuff. But what? He doesn't come back to that. That's not what he wants to do. And he gets to it in private with her. I mean, there's not, there's not tons of women. The disciples are in town. And he goes, let's really get to why you're thirsty here. Oh, how it turns out is pretty awesome. One last verse, Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. I, I said at the beginning, can we put it? And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the, let the one who wants it Take the water of life free of charge. Jesus hands it out free. The water, right? It's free. And you don't got to keep coming. Uh, you, it's not that you just take one drink and then it's over. It's that it's a fountain that's just never ending. You can guzzle it all the time, anytime you want. Because it is life-giving. It's right there, right? So, um... Let me talk to you about one more thing. We, we do this baptism out, outside on purpose. It was designed to be right in the middle of the courtyard, our baptistry, on purpose. So that we could all gather around and, and, and observe and see. And, and as a church, there is nothing, you know, everything that we do is to explain Jesus and to see people come to faith in Christ. 
everything we're all about. The, 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 the whole purpose of our existence as the church and the whole design is to see people come to faith in Christ. It is the most important thing that we do. It is our mission fulfilled. And baptism is a picture of all that. And, and then there's the story and the testimony of people being changed and transformed. So since it is the most important thing that we do, this result, success, seeing people come to faith in Christ, our, pur- our purpose fulfilled, go get your kids and be very intentional and don't just dawdle around and get out there and don't walk over the bridge. Are you ready? Let's go. Because it was, the last service was magnificent. It's going to be good as well. Let's go celebrate life in Christ with people. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like to know more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.